Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents, and welcome to my Facebook Live. Again, I so appreciate you guys joining us. And I'm going to jump right in because I have with me Virginia Prudan, who is, she's an international human rights attorney um, and a victory consultant, which I want to hear more about what that is, an author who wrote a memoir and what I want to dig in. And I'm going to let you talk about this, Virginia. Welcome. But I want to hear your story from you because I have never heard a story like this. This is an amazing story. So welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Ken. Thank you. It's my honor and privilege to be here. And uh, it's my honor and privilege to meet your listeners and your viewers. Um, my story, it's a, indeed a very powerful story, but as I... Uh, wrote in my memoir, Saving My Assassin, my story was written a long time ago in my life by God, long before I scribed it into my memoir. He built everything and he is still building my story in my life. I'm just a tool in, in his hands. Mm -hmm. And I hope that as your listeners, viewers will hear my story, will be encouraged to become a tool in God's hands and see their lives being transformed. Um, I, uh, I was born far away from here. Uh, I hope people uh, recognize by my accent that I'm not a Texan. I live in, in Dallas, Texas. I, uh, I try really hard to the Texas accent. I'm um, doing better every day, but a beautiful I, accent. I wouldn't lose that. Thank you. I I was born in Romania during the socialist and communist um, regime, and uh, I was surrounded by uh, people, including my parents, very fearful of uh, uh, speaking up and um, afraid of the the government and. Um, but in the same time, I watched them inside of the house complaining, whispering and complaining about what the government uh, would do to them or did to them every single day, taking more, more rights no, no matter how obedient they were um, the day before. So as a kid, I was terrified. I realized that the I don't count for the government. And if something happens to me, my parents will not protect me. They were too fearful. So I tried to understand why the adults were so afraid to speak the truth. I realized that they knew the truth, but I didn't. I was wondering why they are afraid. And for that reason, a desire, a fire started to burn in my heart to find the truth and 
at our family reunion in um, in Romania, which we had it every single day as a kid, I noticed that my uh, relatives will group around three people, three relatives. So I did my search, uh, and I realized that all those three people were lawyers. They looked to me that they have the answer to their questions, but they were not speaking up. So in my mind, I was thinking, hmm, I found the way I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to learn the truth and I'm going to speak up the truth. You see, God was the one I found it later who put that desire and God put in each one of us. If we hear, listen to our heart, we all have something in our heart saying, it's not right, I'm going to change it. Well, if you pay attention to that, that's your mission. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for others, that's for mission. That's your mission. So I went to law school, you read more in, in my memoir about this, and I graduated in the top 10% of my class, believing that in those books, I'm going to find the truth and I'm going to speak up for the truth. And I graduated from, from law school. It's more to the story. I want you to understand that if you read the book, you will understand how you go to law school in a socialist country, how you, you have a job, which is totally different than in a free country like in, in America. And here I am, graduated from uh, law school, being a lawyer, and every single morning, full of enthusiasm, I will go to work and I will think and hope, today it's going to be my day. Today I'm going to find the truth. I'm going to reach and touch the truth. After all, I learned everything from the books. And after a few years of practicing law, I came to my office so discouraged. I am a fighter, I'm not a quitter, but that day I came to my office, I put my briefcase on my secretary's desk and I look at her and I said, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore, I can't find the truth. She looked up at me like, where have you been? What are you dreaming? Come back to reality. And she gave me three files and she said, you know what? You have three clients coming to see you and one is in your office. I took the files and I was so disappointed. And I walked into my office and I recognized the client who was in my office. I had been working with him for uh, maybe a year or so. And many times as I was working with him, I noticed that he was totally different than anyone else, any one of my clients. But he had a joy in a joyless land. He had a hope in a hopeless land. He was totally different. But in my mind, I thought, this man is a little bit crazy. I need to fix him. Mm -hmm. But I never had the time because I had clients after clients. But that day, as I was walking in my office and I stood my office and look at him and the joy that was on his face with all the problems that he had, I found myself saying, I want to have in my life what you have. He stopped talking and said, do you go to church? Hmm. I stared at him thinking, I knew you are crazy. I don't know why I asked you. But he wrote something and he gave it to me and said, this is the address to our church. Would you come Sunday to church? And I heard myself saying, yes, I'll come to church. 
I mean, the craziest thing that a, a lawyer in a socialist country can say, that the dictator just declare himself God and require all of us to worship him alone. And here I am saying, yes, I go to church. I have no idea who do you worship, but I'm going to go there. I was that determined to find the truth. More than that, the next Sunday, I was with my girls at his church and they were waiting outside of the church. I was walking inside of the church and he told us where to sit and everything. And the pastor came and opened the Bible and said, I am the truth, the way and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And the church was quiet. Imagine that you hear someone saying, what? That was me. Because somebody finally said, I am the truth, Virginia. I was looking at the wrong places in a law book and everything. And that day I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that day I understood that he put the fire in me to find the truth, to go to law school in order to become a lawyer and defend Christians and human rights. I didn't have to look for cases. People will come to me because nobody will take their cases. And that, that, was, that, was, that was my mission. That was, was God put in, in, my, in my heart. Now you got to read in, in my memoir a lot about my cases and everything. And also how God protected me. Mm. Because I was fighting a dictator and, and a regime that had absolutely everything at their fingertips and I'm alive and I want the cases because that's the way God works when he gives you a mission he gives you everything if you listen to him all the resources all the people around he puts you in the right place at the right time with the right people so I invite your your listeners to read the 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 uh, my memoir and to find out more because it will encourage them. We all have a mission. We all have something to change the world. We are part of, of a bigger, bigger mission in life. That's amazing. And then you, your book goes into how you're kidnapped and you're, you've been, there was an assassination attempt on you because of what you did. Exactly, because after years of uh, winning those cases, and so many of my cases became part of United Nations reports on human rights violations, and United States Department of State's report on human rights violations. When I was in Romania, I had no clue that those publications were talking about me. I knew what I had to do, nothing else. But God did this to expose the dictator and, of course, President Ronald Reagan, who gave Romania the most favored national status attached to respecting human rights, was ready to take that um, um, most favored national for him because he was using all these uh, benefits, economic benefits, to build himself a palace and to... Uh, you know, destroy Christianity. And the dictator was not very happy. He interrogated, he uh, arrested me, telling when I was interrogated, I was beaten, tortured. 
I was placed under house arrest. And the last resource of dictator was to send an assassin to my office to kill me. And because my office and my house was full of microphones and the the dictator and his police knew everything about my whereabouts. They organized everything with the assassin believing that they will succeed and they will kill me. So he came exactly when my assistant was ready to leave the office to pick up her kids from school. So as he came inside, first of all, I am under five feet tall. <laughs> In Romania, I was 82 pounds. I didn't impress anyone. Wow. And my assassin, and as he came into my office, I noticed he was six, 10 feet tall. He was huge, like a football player here in, in America. So as he walked into my office following me, I heard him, as he heard the assistant closing the door to my office, he raised his voice and ordered me to sit down by the chair in front of, uh, of my, uh, my desk. So I was thinking, he is in my office ordering me, but I was too tired, so I stood there in front of him. And the minute that I stood there and he stood there, he pulled his jacket, took his gun, and point, pointed to my face and said, I'm not your client, I'm here to kill you. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought, I thought my, my, uh, knees was shaken. My stomach was making noise. I heard my heart into my ears and I remember what my, my uh, friends uh, and even relatives and even enemies will say to me, you, we will find you dead one day if you don't stop. And for a second, for a few seconds, I thought that I will die. But as the noise was inside of me, he was screaming to, uh, toward me, telling me how he's gonna kill me. In all this noise, I heard the whisper of God, share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I did, because in Romania, we didn't have the Bible with us. When we had it, we had it for a short time. So we memorized. Bible verses, we memorized the gospel and it was very easy for me. I remember telling him, I know you have a job. There is no way I can stop you, but I would love to share with you something. Can I share it? And he noted. And as I started to recite the Bible word by word, he put the, the gun on the table he noted several times and I noticed his shoulders relax. He was melting in, in my face under God's word. I never experienced that. And as I watch him melting it, I'm human. I'm thinking when I finish, he's gonna kill me. And I lost my thoughts. What do you do? I started to paraphrase. Just two sentences, because the minute that I used my own words, he came back to the sixth ten, big tall, screaming and saying how he's going to kill me. And I pray like never in my life. And the Lord brought the gospel back to me and I continue and he accepted Christ right there in front of me.
is crazy. <laughs> I and I tell you something else. Years later, he came to Dallas and he offered, I was writing my book at that time, and he offered to write a chapter. And indeed, he wrote a chapter in my memoir. So now you have not only my perspective, but his perspective and what God is doing in his life right now. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That is a phenomenal story. And I cannot wait to read the book. That is, that is absolutely incredible. And the story continues and continues. Uh, later after that, I was, uh, President Ronald Reagan made a deal, unknown to me, with the dictator, because President Reagan was afraid that I would die, and made a deal to give the dictator six more months of most favored nation with one condition, to let us come to America. He said in 24 hours, the dictator said in one, one month. And if you read the book, you will understand why the dictator said in one month, because he had a plan mm. and God stopped his plan. When I came to America, I knew five languages, but not one word in English. I had no money. I had two girls with me under 10 years old and I was pregnant with my son and we came together with my husband who shortly after that abandoned us. And I found myself in a foreign country, no English, no money, with three kids, raising three kids. And I learned English, not as fast as my kids and my girls, I went back to law school. I opened here in Dallas, Texas at SMU. I opened my own law firm. I raised three kids. One, the first one graduated like me from SMU. The second one from uh, graduated from Harvard Law School and my son from United States Air Force Academy. Because this is our God. And I wrote my memoir. I speak in many places because when you are a tool in God's hands, your life will be changed forever. You are just an exposure. That's what, who I am, an exposure of God's power, love, and grace to the world. I'm nothing else. If people after hear my story will say she's a hero, they did not hear me. The hero is God. Mm. And you can be a tool in God's hands and he can change you. The dream that you have for your life, it's nothing compared with the dream that God has for your life. Please be encouraged. Virginia, the fact that, and we talked a little bit about this before, but the fact that you're right, you listen to your story and you're like, oh my gosh, she's under five feet, 85 pounds, standing down. I mean, that is a David and Goliath story if I've ever heard one, right? Like that is a real life David and Goliath story. And you would think something is just amazing about you, right? And the fact that you're saying no matter what you're, what you're facing, and I don't know anybody that's faced anything even close to that, but we all face these demons and these struggles and these obstacles in our life that seem unsurmountable. And for you to say, 
even you at under five feet, you know, am able to uh, go beyond that, right? Is are able to surmount that is phenomenal to me because you're saying I can too, and everybody listening can too. That it's not you, it's what you turn to, and it's turning to God and turning to yes. that power. And we all have that ability. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We have an amazing God who has an amazing plan. Wherever you go right now, if you give it to the Lord, if you recognize and said, God, I can't do it. Like I mentioned to you, a lot of people are saying, Virginia, how in the world you manage to raise three kids as a single mom, to go to these uh, schools, SMU, Harvard Law School, United States Air Force, and to um, graduate from this school, still Christians and very successful people. How in the world you did that? Well, my answer is simple. I remember looking at my kids being a single mom, not knowing English very well and everything and crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, I can mess up those lives so easy, but I don't want that. And I grabbed God's hands and I said, please help me. Well, he helped. He did amazing things, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing things. Well, it doesn't mean that I didn't have days when I closed my door because I had teenagers in my home and I cried and I said, because I stood on God's values. And I remember saying their last resource to me was, you just don't want us to have fun, you know, and fun to them was destructive. I knew that, uh, but as a parent, I knew that I have three lives in my Hence, I was responsible and I remember going into my room and, and crying and saying, Lord, help me. And I am telling you, if you go through this, remember that it's for a short time. Anytime they come, uh, come back home or they pick up the phone now, they are married, they have their kids, very seldom they will say to me, mom, I am who I am because of you. Mm -hmm. I am who I am because you stood for what was right. I am telling them many times, I am very honored that you said that, but let's, let's be honest, it's 50-50. I taught you and you are teachable. <laughs> so I can take credit for everything, but be encouraged that it will be a time. Stand on Christ's values have love for your teams and remember that it's not going to be forever. I used to believe that I'm going to change diaper for the rest of my life. No, <laughs> what I'm going to fight with, with my teams for different things for the rest of my life. No, it's not. One day be the parent now, then when they will be 20, you will be friend with your child, with your adult. I, I have to point out one thing, though, because when you were describing standing in front of your assassin, who was like three times your size, and describing dealing with your teens, it almost sounded harder dealing with your teens <laughs> um, going in and, you know, and I think people find that there, it's just, 
we don't know what to do, right? And we just, we don't have answers. And so I, I love that you were turning towards God, you were asking for answers, and you were standing by your values to teach them and knowing this too shall pass, um, but make the best of it right now, right? Of what, of what that time is and what you can get out of that time. I also believe that parenting is a journey. And when you have in front of you a teenager, I remember, remember I, I was not born here. So lots of things uh, will come to me very strange or more powerful than for an American. I remember the first time one of my child said, um, I hate you. Oh my gosh. I never heard and I never said to my parents, I hate you. So I went into my room and I cry. I pick up the phone and I call a friend of mine. I said, my kids are hating me. And she laughed and she said, Virginia, welcome to the club. If they hate you now, they will love you later. Be strong. They hate because they want you to do what they want to do, not what is right. So I learned that when they go, what we call unlovable at that moment, to remember that parenting is a journey. Remember that that child that is a teenager is the same child that you hold for the first time in your arms and you are full of emotions. You are full of hopes. And remember that, that you are responsible to build that life, not to destroy it. Do not let them destroy. They, they have no idea that what they are asking for or, or trying to do is destroying. And look at that child. And I also learn that you have to remember and tell them loud to them. I mean, I'm not, not raising your voice, but telling them all the time, I love you. I do not like your behavior. That's important for them because they need to hear that. They need to hear that. And they need to hear that no matter what they will say or do, your love for them will never diminish because you want them when they make mistakes or they say harmful things to you to return to you, not to be afraid of you, to say, oh, I can go and ask for forgiveness. She's going to be mad at me or something. No. Yeah. I think that is such an enormously important point, though, is to constantly be telling them. Because I think a lot of times we assume they know. We're their mom, we're their dad. Of course they know we love them. And, you know, I talk to teens all the time, and they don't. They don't. In fact, they feel the opposite because we tend to point out all the things they do wrong, and they start to think all they see is this big mistake and all my failures, and they don't see me and they don't appreciate me. So I think taking that and just saying, we need to constantly say, your behavior is not what we don't like. We love you and separating the two. And I think that's a really, really important separation. 
Yeah, I uh, I have to say that I pray a lot and I pray all the time. Parenting is a lo long life journey. It never ends, absolutely. And it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. But I do remember one time I was by the swimming pool and remember I had two girls, nine and 10, and then I had a one year old, uh, you know, uh, child. Um, I remember watching them going to the swimming pool and praying and saying, Lord, if I die today, those girls will remember the mother of no, 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 no. You can't do this. You can do that. And they will say, but everybody is doing mom, but everybody is doing. And I still said, no, no, no. And as I was praying and putting my baby to sleep and everything, all of a sudden the girls came running and sitting on the towel and they look at each other and say, mom, we need to tell you something. And I said, what? We want to thank you for every time you said no. Hmm. And they said, you know, when you said no to go to the party, they had alcohol and drugs and the police came and arrested all of them. Do you remember when you said no and something? At that house, a girl was raped. The parents were not home or something. And then they, they continue and everything and they look at each other and say, I can't believe that we are telling mom this. And they ran to the, to the um, swimming pool. And I was thinking, Lord, you just answer my prayers to keep and be strong and, and guide them and protect them because you have no idea when you protect them that you are saving their lives and maybe the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. So before you mentioned, Dr. Ken, you mentioned something yeah. that I want to emphasize. Okay. You mentioned something so beautifully and so important for us as parents. I noticed this. We are humans and we are making mistakes. If you want to win your kids when you make mistakes, go to ask for forgiveness. Go and tell your kids, I made a mistake. Would you forgive me? You have no idea. No diploma, no success as a CEO or whatever you, you are or you want to be will raise you in the eyes of your child, then recognizing your mistakes and asking them, to forgive you and asking them to help you to do better next time. Because sometimes we, we, because we are successful, we can create an impression to our children that they will never rise up to our level. Yes. And that is destructive for them. I remember one of my daughters said to me, the one who went to Harvard Law School, she was young at that time. And she said, mom, what in the world can I do with my life to do it better than you? And when she said that, I froze. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh my gosh, I got the wings to my daughter, to the dreams. 
And I did everything that was possible. Praise God, she graduated from Harvard. She went and wrote constitution to South Africa, Zambia, and Zimbabwe, improved the rights of women, went to Romania and helped the government after revolution to write constitution and her dreams came true. Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful of how we act as successful, but also when we make mistakes. Those two areas are very, very important to um, to our children. To our I agree with you so much on that. And I think a lot of parents feel like if they admit mistakes, they lose authority and they're worried, you know, they're like, I always have to be right. I can't show weakness. And I keep wanting to share, it's actually the opposite. When we share our mistakes and we admit our mistakes and we ask for forgiveness, we actually increase our authority and increase their respect rather than always saying we're never wrong. And they start going, well, they are. So now I don't believe anything they're saying, right? And they just kind of roll their eyes at us a lot more. Um, so I think that that is such an essential thing to remember that and they're learning also it's okay to make a mistake and to ask for forgiveness yes and that's it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength but we have to do it first if we want yes. them to understand that i love love that thank you but one other thing is uh, that i learned and it's very very efficient is sometimes uh, teenagers they remember that they try to find their way in lives. Remember that we were teenagers too. We wanted to change the world. We wanted to do things. So things from their shoes, from their perspective, and let them try and do different things. I know that in the same time, it's very hard and, and it's indeed, it's very disrespectful to let your child raise their voice. You know, sometimes as a last resort, they might raise their voice. When they do that, please, please, please do not raise your voice. Please stay calm and speak with the calmest voice that it's possible. I am telling you, will change their attitude, will even frighten them sometimes that you are so calm and they will realize that they cannot use that uh, kind of attitude towards you. When you raise your voice, understand that you lost it. Mm -hmm. totally. You lost it. I, I like to say when you start, the moment you start yelling, you stop parenting. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You put it the best. You put it the best, Dr. Kim. Yes. Yes, that is so true. But it's important. And one other thing you, you mentioned before, just lightly, and I want to emphasize what you mentioned, is surround yourself with other parents with teenagers. So you will not feel like you are the only one suffering and being under these. And more than that, if it's possible, from a younger age, 
if it's a church that you can volunteer to uh, to be uh, you know um, substitute or a teacher at teenagers so you can kind of watch them and know what to expect or even be friend with people that raise their children they don't have any teenagers and they will tell you story they might tell you story in a funny way so you will think oh it wasn't that bad you know i have friends that will say it's funny now it wasn't funny then <laughs> so and it is, i think that is so important to you because i there's parents that will i'll bring them together and they'll talk and share stories and it's amazing to me because i'll go wow, I'm not the only one dealing with this. And we're gonna, we're both telling you, you're not the only one dealing with this. In fact, everyone that has a team is dealing with this, right? That's why we're here to help. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is that we are in business of building those lives. And we have the benefits and the privilege of building. It's not like, oh, I just want them to go to college and I just want them to leave me and everything. No, no. They have to know that our door is open. Mm -hmm. Believe me that I told my kids all the time that no matter what they will do in life, uh, you know, people will betray them. People will say things or attract them on a wrong way, but God will be always with them. And I said, my door is always open. No matter what, it's very frightening to tell your, your child, no matter what you're going to do, if you make mistake, my door is open. And I am telling you this, none of my three children live in my basement. No. They live in their own homes. They have kids on their own and they do exactly what I have done with them. So don't be afraid to say to your child, my house is open to you. My love is forever. You do not lose my love because when they lose our life, love, they, they will look for somebody else to love them. Don't, don't make that mistake. Such beyond wise words, Virginia, and coming from somebody that has successfully raised three kids that don't live in their basement, which is a very big deal, um, especially now. So I, I, there's just so much beautiful things that you share. And I, I can't thank you enough for jumping on and sharing that with me and with the people, the parents listening. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you so very much, Dr. Kim. I really appreciate the values and everything that you are doing, you know, with these uh, events and how much you invest in people, lives that you, you are changing. And I am so grateful that you involved me to be part of this. I am I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so very much. And if there is any way that I can support you or your, uh, your listeners, they will be wonderful. I'll be oh, happy. Absolutely. And before you go, the same thing, please tell people how they can find you and your book. Uh, they can find me at the, my website, virginiaprodanbooks.com. They can uh, buy the books directly from there. They can um, ask me if they want only the book to be signed or put a name. They can find uh, my, uh, they can invite me to speak at their events. 
and uh, a lot more, you know, a lot more. Outing and all the other things that, that we, we do. We are here to reach each other. It's uh, amazing to me to know that when I was in Romania suffering and doing all those things, it was not only for me, but God knew that one day I will be at your Dr. Kim's uh, Facebook Live and uh, I will share with, with others and that will be an encouragement for many. Just be a tool in God's hands. God has a wonderful plan for you and for your teens. With God, you can build lives, successful lives and lives that will follow and honor, honor Christ. Do not be discouraged. You will have tears on, on your cheek, but you will have success in your heart and in your child. Your that is a beautiful place to stop. I could not say it any better. Thank you again. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.